Hello, and welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Fleming, the pastoral intern for Discipleship. In today's episode, we are joined by special guest, Dr. Derek Thomas, as we begin to discuss Chapter 3 of the Westminster Confession of Faith concerning God's eternal decree. If you have any comments or questions about our show, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can email us at 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and to those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to 1A. I'm your host, Josh Squires. Man, last time we were just two Joshes and a Mark. We were That's down right. a Josh. That's right. We've got our Josh back, so we're back to three Joshes and a Mark, but actually we're three Joshes, a Mark, and a Derek. That's We've got right. Dr. Thomas with us. Dr. Thomas, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure is all ours, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. We'll see as this goes along if uh, it's a pleasure or not. Okay, Fleming, why don't you catch us up to speed as to what we're talking about this time? Absolutely. So what we've been doing is we're going through the Westminster Confession of Faith, and we're looking to see how it counsels us, how it provides relevant biblical wisdom for us as Christians here in the 21st century. You know, what what categories does it provide to help us faithfully follow God through, through all the trials of life? If you're just joining us, you may have missed some of our previous episodes. We actually have six previous episodes so far in this series we're doing. The first two, we dealt with chapter one of the confession of the Holy Scripture. Mm -hmm. And then episodes three through six were all on the second chapter of God and of the Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so now we're coming today to chapter three. So we're we're moving episode seven and we're on chapter three. Very deliberate pace That's that we're right. on. That, Very let's, deliberate let's go pace. with that. Deliberate. Yeah. But it's it's on God's eternal decree. And and so we've got Dr. Thomas here, and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just kick things out by reading a section like we normally do, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of get going from there. But this is this is the first section here of of chapter three of God's eternal decree from the Westminster Confession of Faith. It says, God, from all eternity, did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. So yeah. I think that's perfectly clear for all of us. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but let's just pretend it's not all clear for me. Yeah, let's, yeah. Just, let's, just, let's just pretend. On the odd chance that that last phrase, <laughs> contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established might be unclear for someone that there we go. I, I like that. Right. For someone, the hypothetical person yes. in the room. <laughs> we have brought in the ex expert, Dr. Derek Thomas, to help us. Derek, what does this mean? Um, there is a sense in which I think the Westminster Divines are trying to say something rather than nothing. Mm. Mm. And it would be wrong, I think, for anyone to say that they fully understand mm. all the ramifications of what this first... Uh, statement mm. uh, on God's decree is saying. This is mm. Calvinism 
and then some. Mm-hmm. This is high Calvinism. Mm-hmm. It is the epitome of 17th century uh, thought about why things happen the way they do. Mm. And, and basically it's saying that nothing happens without God willing it to happen and without God willing it to happen before it happens mm. and without God willing it to happen in the way that it happens. Mm. So it, it's a statement about divine causality mm. that behind every event, every circumstance, there is the decree of God. Mm. But that raises... And and what's the alternative? The alternative is that God is in charge of some aspects. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The big things. You know, maybe maybe he's in charge of ninety nine percent or seventy five percent, but the rest of it is random. Yeah. It's human will, it's human choice, or it's Satan or 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 something, but God is not in charge. Yeah. And from and since you're all talking about counseling, Mm -hmm. right? And and I'm not sure that the divines were were on this page. Um, I think the divines wanted to know what we should believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yep. So, so they're addressing knowledge rather than than how you feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, about this. Right. But let's ask the question. I mean, if if God isn't in complete control, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're driving up uh, I seventy seven, and as soon as you get past Winsboro for a, for two or three miles, God is not in control. Right, and um, that's the dead zone. Yeah, the drop zone. Like yeah, yeah. You drop a call. Well, so, God can't hear you there. Yeah. So, what is it that gives us comfort in the midst of trial that that God is in control? Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, there's just despair. Yeah. I mean, if you live outside of Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. that all things work together for good because God God is in control. Yeah. What is there? There's, there's uncertainty. There's yeah. despair. There's fear. Yep. So how can you be, how can you be comforted? How can you be at peace <clears throat> mm-hmm. in the midst of, of terrible things? A terrible event happened last week yep. in our congregation. Yeah. Uh, that few people know about. It's awful. It's, it's it's absolutely awful. But what is the only comfort in in that event? Mm. That God is in control, yeah, mm. That's right. for reasons that we do not know and cannot understand. So this first statement makes three caveats. Okay. So there's absolute and total sovereignty yeah. of God. He yep. orders everything. He decrees mm. it. Yeah. But he decrees it in such a way that first of all, he is not the author of sin. Right. Mm. Now that's just a statement. Yeah. Right. And and there are. 20,000 books that have been written on... How this can be true. Yeah. Yeah. God creates a universe in which sin is possible. Yeah. God creates a universe where evil is possible. Mm. For Mm. what reason? Well, Augustine said, it is a better universe where you can experience grace Mm. and Jesus than Mm. a universe in which you do not. Right. Mm. And is is that a good answer? It's it's one that I can live with. Yeah, it doesn't answer all the questions. Right, you can write a book in which murders take place, but you are not responsible for the murders. Yeah, you wrote the book in which murders took place. Right, right, right. Is that a good illustration? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, but but I, I think it 
it signals God cannot be charged with sin. Right. That God is sinless. Yeah. So he's not the author of sin. Right. And and that's you know, that's the sixty four thousand mm. dollar question. Yeah. You know? They're trying to affirm what scripture says is true, which is that God is mm. in control of all things and yet he is completely holy and not capable of sin. Like our finite mind can't understand those two things together mm. very right. well. Right. And, and so they're just making an affirmation mm. of scripture. Right. Yeah. We see all the sin and suffering, but we see in God's word that he is perfect and holy and yep. created a good creation. So how do we reconcile that? Right. Mm. You know, if, if, if God isn't in complete control, why do you pray? Right. Mm. Yeah. Right? How, how can you ever have confidence in prayer that God is able to change things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the first caveat. The second caveat is, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures. So, uh, in 21st century language, it's affirming free agency. Yeah. Mm. Now that that's a that's not a term that was used in the 17th century, but yeah. but we have free agency. We have the power of choice. Right. And it's not it's not unreal. Yeah. You know, you wore you you decided to wear a stripy shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't know whose shirt you wore this morning. Uh, and, and you thought you were going farming. Yeah. Uh, with your shirt. Right? Yeah. Um, Derek, you're welcome to borrow my shirt anytime. I, yeah. I can tell you like it. Yeah. <laughs> but those are, those are choices that we make. Yeah. And they're, and they're real choices. And, and without that, without free agency, there, there can be no moral responsibility. We are, we are held accountable for our actions. Right. Mm. And, and that's important. Yes, yes. That God creates a universe in which you do have... We're, we're not robots. Yeah, right? Right, we're not, right. We're not automatons. That's right. that's right. There is some form of liberty. Yeah. yeah. And again, how is that compatible with divine sovereignty? Yeah. Right? I, I don't know the answer to that, but... Yeah. but the confession is simply making a statement. God is not the author of sin, yeah. and and free agency is a reality. Yeah. Mm. Now we don't have complete free will. Yeah. That that is, we don't have the freedom to do everything that is possible. Yeah. We are fallen. Mm-hmm. Our wills are, you know, we don't have the freedom to choose Jesus in and of ourselves. Right. Mm. But we do have free agency, and so so Reformed theology has distinguished between what is currently called free will and free agency. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And in regeneration, we that that free will is restored. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the third caveat that is made: nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. So it's raining today, mm-hmm. and there are clouds in the sky and you can tune into the weather channel mm-hmm. i have a friend who loves the weather channel right <laughs> and, i mean if there's a storm coming they're glued weather yeah. channel is on yeah <laughs> and you can explain all of the events that are happening today in terms of high pressure here low pressure there yeah 
the where the moon is. Um, yeah. You can tell I don't know much about. about <laughs> We've reached the limit, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Those are the way they tell. That's how they yeah. tell. Yeah, but but there's science. Yeah, right, right, and 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 you can explain it in terms of science. Yeah. Mm. But at the end of the day, God did it. Yeah. Mm. Right, right. Yeah. So there is there is first cause, and then there are second causes, mm. Mm. and God. God creates the universe in which second causes are responsible, mm. right? Right, and and therefore He is not the author of sin, mm-hmm. but but second causes, mm. and a second cause would be would be Satan. Yeah. a second cause would be sin on our part. Mm. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Now, first and second causes is a medieval concept. Yeah. It was a concept in Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. The reformers are not saying anything new here, right? Nor are they, I think, in the least bit concerned to explain what they're saying, right? They're just saying, "I can't go there. I can't go there. Yeah, I can't go there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, however you describe the totality of divine causality, yeah, there are three caveats. He's not yeah. the author of sin. Yeah, it takes place within an understanding of of free agency. Yeah. And it takes place within a certain understanding of first and second causes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's good. In the counseling room, there are a couple of ways in which this really takes shape. One is that if God isn't sovereign everywhere, so you reach that place on I-77 where he's not sovereign and he's not in control, then the very basic promise of the covenant, I am with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that can't be true. Mm. There's a place where he's not with you, right? Because he's not in power in that little space right there. Right now, I understand why people want to make this. The first time I really saw it super clearly, probably when I was in seminary, was right after the Sandy Hook tragedy, mm-hmm. and it's something that we're all dealing with. How can this guy go in and kill these innocent young kids? And some pastor up in New England tried to make something. Hey, God didn't want this to happen. You know, he he wasn't there. That wasn't that wasn't his choice. Well, it's really hard for us to be able to say no. God knew from the beginning of time that this was going to happen. It was actually a part of His foreordained will. Why? For what purpose? We don't know. Mm. We just simply don't know and can't work it all out. And neither am I convinced that once we get to heaven, we will be able to work it all out. Mm. We will still have finite minds. Yeah, and you would. It seems to me need an infinite mind to understand all the rationale for all the reasons that things happened. Mm. But we need a sovereign God in order, like Derek said, to be comforted about anything because we need that to be true in order for the very basic promise that we all clutch onto about the covenant that God is with us and he won't ever forsake us in order to be true. But it also needs to be true that we're responsible Mm. because oftentimes in counseling, people don't want to take responsibility. Mm. Right. Right. Especially, especially if they've wrestled with God's sovereignty and they want to do it in such a way where they want to release their own personal agency for the sin that they have committed against others. And we need to be Mm. able to say specifically, no, like, God knew that that was going to happen as part of his plan that that would happen, but you're responsible for the way that you hurt your wife, the Mm. way you said something to her that was inappropriate and angry and sinful, and you need to repent Mm. and to be personally responsible for that, Mm. right? And not try to defer that on some sort of high-handed theology. Right. Mm. We can't say, God made me this way. Right, right. Mm. There's this line at the beginning of what we read a moment ago, 
by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will. Mm-hmm. And I don't think those are throwaway words. I mean, they're they're before they give us this this statement. Of, yeah, before they give us these caveats, they're giving us this. I don't know what your thoughts are, guys, but maybe there's some comfort here that, like, I know my will, my own, my my own counsel is not most wise and most holy. Yeah, but there's at least some comfort to know that there is someone who has a most wise and holy counsel. I I do want to revisit something that are you Josh one, two, or three? It does yeah. not matter. Um, <laughs> Josh the lesser. Josh the least. How about that? So when you said. Uh, when you said about Sandy Hook and yep. uh, going for the jugular, you're going yeah. for the the most horrible thing imaginable. Yeah, there is a sense in which you can and should say God did not want this to happen. Mm. Right? Mm. Yeah, there is a will in God which He has not decreed. Right. I'm actually quoting John Murray, but mm. but there is a will in God which mm. He has not actually decreed. Now you're at the very edge of Mm. what you can understand Mm, when you say that but let's take it somewhere else there is a will in god that all human beings be saved yeah Mm. right there is a desire in god that all human beings be saved but it's not a desire that he has actually decreed Mm -hmm. now do i understand Mm. that no yeah Mm. but i think if you read scripture Uh, honestly, th- yep. that's where you end up. Yeah, uh, and and I think in in a counseling room, I I think in a Sandy Hook thing, yep. I, I would not be emphasizing this is God's will. Right, right. right? I would yeah. not be going to chapter three of the confession. Right. I would be saying God's heart grieves. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. God is way more yep. sorrowful about this than than right. you are. Right, mm. right. Yeah. And, and I think I think it's legitimate. We are using anthropomorphic yeah. language here. Yeah. We, are, we are applying human feelings to God, right? right. Uh, but that's what He does in Scripture, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. Um, he grieves. He's yeah. sorrowful. Yeah, it it hurts him. Yeah. Now, do I do I understand that theologically? No, I I, I can put sentences together right. that I think are orthodox. Yeah. That. That are that are in harmony with scripture. Yeah. But in a counseling room, you know, I, I would not be going. I mean I mean th- yeah. th- there is comfort in in being able to say yeah. in the midst of pain and sorrow, God is in control. Mm. Yeah. Ha- right. However however difficult this is, mm. uh, yeah. you can you can bring your sorrows to the Lord and yeah. and He will He will hear you and yeah. understand you. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Um, and I, I think those are those are some important ramifications of a, a Calvinistic understanding of divine yeah. causality. Mm. So I uh, talk to our counseling students about like the difference. When I use a doctrine, am I going for comfort? Am I going for conviction? Am I going for what I call exhortation? Desiring God change that to challenge in order to keep it consistent with C's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, commendation, right? Something that you've done well. And so you're right. In, in if someone has been the victim of some sort of tragedy, as you were just talking about last week with one of our families, <clears throat> I'm not trying to go for conviction about God's sovereignty. In that moment, I'm trying to go yeah. for comfort, yeah. right? And in that comforting moment, this is a tragedy to God. God yeah. grieves with you, and His heart breaks for you. But in the back of my mind, I I know as 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 you know, like God is sovereign. He did decree for that to happen. 
it just doesn't come up in the counseling room in that moment mm. because what they need is comfort, right? And so you're right. trying to find the comforting aspect of any any doctrine in that moment. Mm. And I think that's an, uh, a helpful thing to keep in mind is that from the scriptures, the Lord has given us so much truth that yeah. is appropriate for different contexts and different circumstances. Yep. But it's a call for us to be wise about where we emphasize certain truths yep. in certain circumstances and don't yep. emphasize other certain truths in those circumstances yep. as compared to others. That's right. So. You can run to Romans eight twenty eight in a way that feels super dismissive mm-hmm. to people. Um, you know, especially if you're talking to like a parent who's just lost a child or there's just been a terrible diagnosis or something like that, where we as maybe Christian counselors, and here I'm just not I'm not just talking about people who are actually <clears throat> counselors in a, in a specific role, but anyone who would be looking to walk into the pain of another as a Christian, we ourselves are comforted in that moment by Romans 8.28, but that's probably not your first card out of the chute mm-hmm. because that's just going to more likely offend Right, you're not heard. Rather than just weeping with them, more of a Psalm 88 in that moment. Yeah, right, absolutely. where you can yeah. say, "Yeah, it seems like darkness is your only friend right now." You don't want to make the error of Job's friends, right, who come in with great truths, maybe, right. but in a, in a right. not not reading the room well. Yeah, no. I wonder. You know, maybe this is something that at times I've thought in my life. Maybe I've had this thought or been in the counseling room where someone had said this. But this idea of either something has happened, either I've done something. Or something has happened to me, yeah. and now I'm I'm sort of I've messed up, or somehow God's plan for my life has been messed up. Have you heard that language? And now I'm on like Plan B, right? I don't know exactly how some people would verbalize that, but oftentimes how, like job or marriage, right, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. where it's like where these big things in life, and now you feel like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, now I'm on I'm on Plan B. Yeah. How do y'all think what we've been talking about so far speaks to that sort of uh, feeling and uh, thought that comes arises in our I mind sometimes. Yeah. Is is it possible to go against God's will? Right? Well, and I think that that goes to what Derek was saying earlier about, and, and help me with the language here, Derek, to make sure that I've got this, preceptive will, the precepts of God, what he wants to happen in, in according with his laws and character, and his decretive will, what he decrees that actually happens. Right? And so is it possible to violate his preceptive will. Well, yes, we all do sin in thought and word and deed every single day. Right, right. Is it possible to violate his decretive will? No. Mm. He's sovereign and in control, right? So it may be that you rush to marry somebody that's not a believer, mm. which mm. is contra his preceptive will in uh, his word. But it's not contra to his decretive will, mm. right? He decreed that it that happened. would happen. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right, right. right. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we live our lives uh, with a knowledge of God's decretive will. Yeah, right. That yeah. that is secret. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know it. Uh, we live our lives in accordance with His preceptive will, His yeah. revealed will. Yeah. And in a, in a sense, you, you can you can live Plan B. There are folks who are in who have left the ministry. Mm. Mm. And they've gone back to sales. Mm. Was that the right decision? Maybe and maybe not. Yeah. Mm. You know, maybe from a, a preceptive point of view, they they should have remained in ministry. Yeah. And so, so in a right. sense, they're living Plan B. Mm. I've just written a book about Peter, 
And, uh, you know, Peter drops off the map for the last 10 plus years of his life. We don't know anything about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think Peter ever recovered from the incident in Antioch with mm-hmm. Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think when Peter read what Paul wrote in Galatians, n- now making it public knowledge, mm-hmm. and, and with Peter's understanding of Paul's authority as an apostle, that this was actually going to be scripture. Mm-hmm. So, so the record of his downfall in Antioch would now be public knowledge for the church forever. And, and I think he didn't recover from it. Mm. You know, so, so it, in a sense, Peter, who is the number one apostle, mm. right, in the first 12 chapters of Acts, becomes plan B. Mm. I think that's how we live our lives. Yeah. With success or failure. Yeah. Mm. With mm-hmm. faith or or non-repentance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know? So I, I think specifically about a case where I had a woman who married a non-believer and they had kids and it ended up in divorce. And it was a tough marriage. I mean, he ultimately cheated on her and, and he left and it's been tough for the kids and it's been ongoing. And she she remembers a definitive time where she was struggling with the counsel of a pastor i believe who told her don't marry this man he's not a believer and she decided to marry him anyway Mm. and it did have terrible consequences for her and her family and yet it is also one of the anchors in her narrative that the lord used to prove to her that he is most wise and holy in his counsel Mm. that when she wants to lean into her own heart versus his word his word is more reliable. Mm. Right? So in that sense, she lived plan B, but I think it helped her to be more resilient in plan A living. Mm. You know? If if in you know, I mean we're we're using human right. words. Language, here, but, yeah. yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. There's a sense in which our in our plan B lives, God can redeem and work oh, yeah. in his purposes, obviously. I mean I think it's what somewhat what the divines are saying is here is he's always in control. Ultimately, right? Yeah. Um, God, we can't mess up God's purposes. We can't thwart His plan. Yeah. Mm. Well, we only made it through three part one <laughs> and got <laughs> and got nowhere in the rest of the chapter. So, you know, maybe we'll make it through the rest of the chapter relatively quickly. I think this was a helpful discussion, though. Yeah, I, 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 as always, yeah, yeah. I've, I've learned from from you guys and Derek. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks so helpful. much. Yep. Yeah. Any final thoughts mm-hmm. for anybody before we wrap up? Nothing other than to remind our listeners, hey, if you have thoughts or questions, you can email us. Uh, what's our... You can email us 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. There we the go. The number one, the letter A at firstpresscolumbia.org, and that'll get to us. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear it. Derek, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. All right, and we'll see you guys next time.